Hi, this is Carl Franklin. Richard and I are going to be in London at the NDC conference December 2nd through the 6th, and we'd love to see you there. Come see Scott Guthrie, Don Syme, Bob Martin, Dan North, Scott Allen, Mads Torgerson, and many, many more at the NDC. For more information, go to ndc-london.com. The Tablet Show, Episode 111, with guest Chris Hardy. Recorded live Friday, November 15th, 2013. From thetabletshow.com, it's The Tablet Show. Conversations about developing software for tablets and other mobile devices with your hosts, Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. In this episode, Carl and Richard talk to Chris Hardy about using Xamarin tools with Visual Studio 2013. This episode of The Tablet Show is sponsored by Telerik, offering the best in developer tools and support. Online at telerik.com. And now, here are Carl and Richard. Hey, Boston, it's the Tablet Show! All right. This is the official first show of the 2013 Modern Apps. Road Trip. Road Trip. That's what we're calling it. Yeah, well, that's the short version. If you've seen the long version, it's like a full Microsoft name. That's because Microsoft named it. Yes, yeah, that's what yeah, happens. That's what happens. <laughs> hey, we're in Boston. I love Boston. Love Boston. Yeah, Chris good. Hardy from Xamarin is here. <laughs> we're going to talk to Chris in just a minute, but first, let's roll the music for Better Know a Framework. All right, buddy, what do you got? Well, uh, here's my thinking in going back to fundamentals. Of oh, .NET. yeah. My thinking is that with Xamarin, you know, a lot of people who have not done C Sharp in a while mm -hmm. are probably going to give it another chance because, you know, they're, they're hell, wow, I can do iPhone and iPad and Android stuff C now. C Sharp everywhere. C Sharp is everywhere. You know, I'm going to get back into it. But maybe that was before .NET 4. So sure. there, there's some fundamentals that a lot of people are missing. .NET has evolved. Yeah. I, I like this take you got. That's yeah. cool. So where do you want to start? Uh, System.lazy. Lazy of T. Oh, so interesting. This is, a, this is a pretty cool uh, little feature in .NET 4 to do lazy initialization and yep. lazy loading. So the whole idea is that it doesn't actually fetch data until you ask for it the first time. And there's a nice little example in Visual Studio 2010, believe it or not. Oh, really? Uh, by an MVP. If you go to tinyurl.com slash lazy example, and he also points to some more detailed examples, and of course you can get into the MSDN documentation from there. But uh, it's just a simple explanation and example of when you would use lazy loading and how it works. Awesome. So there you go. That's a good idea. Let's we'll check with Chris to see if it actually works on, you know, across the platforms. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's smirked. He did. Yeah. yeah. I'll say yes, but I have no idea. <laughs> well, it is in .NET 4, and you guys do support .NET 4. It's true. So yes. I imagine it does. I can't see any reason why I wouldn't. That's there isn't cool. anything Mac-y about it. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Nothing special there. It just works. It just works. So that's what I'm talking about. System. I love it. Lazy of T. Good one know it, learn it, love it. So who's talking to us, Richard? So uh, interesting your fundamentals comment and going back to C Sharp, because I grabbed a comment off of show 103, and that's the one we did with Rocky Latka. We were talking about consumer versus business apps. And Rocky came out, as you recall, very strong on JavaScript will rule the world. HTML5 yeah, and JavaScript. He, he, was, a, he was a believer, And right? he particularly was talking about in the enterprise. Yeah. 
I was surprised at his, at his position, but I respect it. I see where he's coming from. But Mark Robinson has this great comment. He says, a few years ago, I used to scoff at the older developers in the team who resisted new ways of doing things. They seemed rigid, unable to move with the ever-changing technology. However, eight years down the line, I find myself in exactly that position. I am fighting JavaScript with every fiber of my being. I honestly don't know why I'm resisting it so much. Yeah, really? Yeah, dude. Jump on board. How about it? Heck, Carl's doing JavaScript. Hell, you know? That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, I hope Rocky, in this case, is wrong. I hope that .NET continues to grow and expand and that JavaScript continues to be used where it is suited and that CLR native languages are used where they are best suited. However, as a contract developer, if I don't start learning JavaScript soon, I will get left behind. And so I'll come along kicking and screaming. Yeah. It's not one winner, one loser. It's not a zero-sum game. I'm totally with you, buddy. Yeah. And, and I appreciate, you know, you dove into this. Yeah. I've been right alongside you while you've been doing this. Yeah, it's fun. It's past a while. You've been, having, you've been annoyed. Yeah, I've been time. annoyed, sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, stuff that should be easy seems to be hard until you find a way. Sure. You know, it's really interesting. An interesting yeah. process. Mark, thank you so much for your comment. We totally get where you're coming from. Don't worry. I think .NET's going to be just fine. And uh, a coveted tablet show mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a tablet show mug, just write a comment on the website at thetabletshow.com or on any of our mobile apps. We've got mobile apps for iOS, Android, Windows Phone 7 and 8, and Windows 8, and those apps were built by Diatom Enterprises. Yes, We'd love are. to build you an app. Just go to diatomenterprises.com. Absolutely. And with that, let me introduce our guest, Chris Hardy, a developer evangelist at Xamarin, recently moved over to Boston to work at Xamarin Office's after being one of the first developers to develop for Xamarin iOS over four years ago. Often found at conferences and user groups around the world, Chris also contributed to the Xamarin iOS and Xamarin Android books from Rocks with Wally McClure and all of those guys, and is excited to see C Sharp on all the mobile devices. Welcome, Chris. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. How do you like Boston? It's great. It's cold. Boston! But this, I don't, I don't think this is actually cold yet. I think this is normal. It's November. <laughs> it's November, and I'm thinking this is cold. I think I'm going I didn't, in well, for a big Manche chop. Manchester isn't all that warm, is it? It, it was cold when we were there a, a few months back, yeah, but it yeah. was probably wet as well. So yeah, I'm, I'm expecting the wet. Yeah, but I'm also expecting snow here. So. Yes, right. It'd be a novelty for the first year, I'm sure. From no, then on. It'll wear off at the first. A couple of nor'easters, you'll be over it, I yeah. promise. Yeah, that's, that's right. true. That's very you don't get true. nor'easters in Manchester, do you? No. 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 So let's talk about it. This is the what the whole road trip is all about. Tell us. What's the news? Yeah, so uh, basically we're seeing a lot of people are wanting to go on iOS and Android devices. They're already maybe doing Windows Store, Windows Phone um, apps. Um, and Xamarin's the perfect way of reusing some of your shared code from Windows Store or Windows Phone and developing C-sharp apps on iOS and Android, which is where I think most people are seeing users using their apps. Now, we talked to Miguel de Acaza, geez, it wasn't long ago. It was February. February, and who told us that, you know, indeed, it's all in Visual Studio now. Yeah. So... Is there anything new since February that uh, you guys have to announce? So yesterday, uh, there was the Visual Studio 2013 launch. Mm -hmm. um, and as part of that, uh, Microsoft uh, partnered with uh, Xamarin um, to basically make um, Xamarin kind of the best place to go and do mobile development using Visual Studio to develop for iOS and Android. 
So what does that mean exactly? Um, I, it's a, like a ringing endorsement? Yeah, I, I believe it is. I think Microsoft has now kind of gone and said, you know, we know that people are using mobile devices everywhere. We already cover Windows Store and Windows Phone. We do a good job there. Right. And really, iOS and Android, if you want to go do that, Xamarin is the best place to go do that. And, and you don't even have to, you know, use a new IDE. You can stick with Visual Studio and you can go and create apps from that. And the thing that we wanted to uh, stress was even the, the IDE builder, yep. it works in Visual Studio. Yeah, that's correct. So if you want to do iOS apps, you still need to have a Mac around. Um, but everything, you just stick with Visual Studio, you press run, it can deploy directly to your device via a Mac. Um, and then you can also do debugs and you can have debug points get hit in Visual Studio running directly from the iPod or okay, iPad. So, so you still do have to have a Mac if you're going to do iOS development. That's correct, yes. yes. Yeah. So you still need all the tools that um, Xcode provides to deploy to the device, Got signing it. the app so it's an official app that Apple will approve on, on those devices. But you just have to have it up and connected. You don't really have to use it. That's correct, yes. Yeah. So you can use like a Mac Mini or something like that. You can have a headless kind of Mac that you have somewhere within your network. Yeah. Um, and we see a lot of people generally have a Mac, which they then have Windows on as well. Yep. So they basically use Parallels or VM Fusion. And, sure. Um, what's nice about that is if you have it on the same machine, when you hit run and you're doing it to a simulator, the simulator will come in front of Visual Studio. So what it will look like, it's like you actually have the simulator running the app right from kind of Windows, basically. Right. Um, there's a few other apps that you can do. Um, there's Reflector app, um, and that app allows you to um, airplay your device to a Windows machine. Mm. So you can have it so it's like a live demonstration of what you're doing on the device. So that's another nice way of integrating. And correct me if I'm wrong, but legally there isn't any way to... Uh to run the Mac OS on a Windows machine. I, yeah, I mean, I'm not a lawyer. But, but I, think um, you're, I think that's yeah. true. Yeah, yeah. I, I think they, they don't like you doing that. They always say you have to run OS X on, on a Mac machine. So. And I think they make it very, very hard for you to do that. Yeah. yeah, I remember doing it, you know, maybe five, six years ago yeah. when I had a, a small laptop that I thought, oh, I can put OS X on. But really, if you want to use a Windows machine, you need to basically get a Mac. Right, right. And you know, you can get Mac minis relatively cheap as well. And I think they're the best option because you don't have to invest in like a whole display and a whole new mouse. You can use your existing keyboard mouse. And then you also have a display that you might have around. You can use those. Now, the Android story is different. You don't need any sort of other machine because it's all running Java. That's correct. So um, the way that Xamarin works with Xcode, it integrates with all the iOS tools that um, Apple provide. So on the Android side, because they do allow you to do development on, on Windows as well as Mac, you can just download the Android SDK um, and have that run uh, directly from Visual Studio, no Mac needed. And how easy is it to get set up with Xamarin for, for all of this stuff? Is it Do you have to sort of interface with that, or do you guys make it easy and just sort of download all the things that we need? Yeah, so we, we have installers that basically provide everything that you would need uh, to get started. Um, you can still access the Android SDK manager when there's new updates, and sure. or you need to manage your um, virtual devices, they call them on Android. Mm -hmm. um, so you still get access to that, and we still use that under the hood. Um, but the installer basically gets everything you need up and running. Um, so I, I was sat down actually with uh, Scott Gu, and we went through like the installer forum and had it up and running and building apps straight away. So great, that's great. Nice. 
And and isn't there wasn't something announced with MSDN as well? Is yeah, I believe there's um, a heavy discount on the the business and enterprise. I think it's a business edition. Um, so if you're an MSDN subscriber, um, then you can get a discount on uh, the Xamarin tools as well. So I guess um, that's an important point. Is that I think it's something that gets missed. Is Xamarin tools aren't free, right? And, well, I mean, yeah. Touch a mono for Android, you, you have to pay for them. Uh, sort of. I mean, we have a starter edition, which allows you to do a small app, but it depends on what it's compile code is the limitation on the starter. Okay. Um, so I created, I believe on the tablet show, we talked about the Days Until Christmas app. Yep. I open sourced that app, and that app runs completely free on um, uh, using the starter edition. So you can play around with it for free. You can even put an app on the store for free. Um, then we have an indie version, which if you, you're happy not using Visual Studio, which does require business edition and up, um, you can build your apps using Xamarin Studio on Windows or Mac. And you can then upgrade and go to the business edition if you go, well, actually, I'm making a bit of money with my app. And it doesn't have to be, a, I'm going to go all in straight away. You right. can kind of wrap yourself up as you get more comfortable. So just to, to parse what you're saying there, you can just download a free version, yep. build an app, cut your teeth, you know, make a free app, deploy it even as yep. a free app. That's correct. And yeah. and there there aren't any limitations in what you can do or can't do with that app, right? Um, there are limitations. You have a compile size, so it's uh, oh, compile size. Compile okay. size, but so in terms of the API, what you can call, what you can't call. Um, there's no limitations on the uh, iOS side. There's some restrictions on not using WCF and things like that, which are more. Oh. Business like, but you can okay. you can still use web requests and web clients and all that stuff. So, right. um, really, I mean, there's also a trial as well. So even if the starter doesn't, and you're like, well, I need to I need to test WCF, um, you can use the uh, trial edition, which is uh, 30 days um, for normal subscribers. And if you're an MSDN subscriber, as part of the announcement yesterday, you can use the trial for 90 days as well. All right. And so, what's the what's the first level of money that I have to shell out if I really am serious about this as uh, an individual developer? For, for an indie developer, it's $399 per platform um, per user. So if you want to just do iOS, then it's $399. Um, and then it runs up to $999. And then uh, $1999, I think, is, okay. is the higher level. The Enterprise Edition, is you get lots of components, uh, prime components. So if you want a signature pad that you want to put in your app, so if you have a tablet and you need someone to sign for something, as part of the enterprise um, package, you get that component free. I think it's five hundred dollars or something on the mm. on the component store, and you can just add uh, add the component in that adds it into your project. You display it, and then you have signature pad functionality in your app without really writing any code. Yeah, it's a nice. component model. I, I also noticed just looking at the the specs from the site, uh, the Visual Studio part comes mm -hmm. with the business edition in a bug. Yeah, that's correct. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and we offer Xamarin Studio if you want to do Android development on Windows without using Visual Studio, and also same on Mac as well for so, iOS. So wait, does the starter edition allow you to work in Visual Studio? It does not, no. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh. But Xamarin Studio is a great idea. I know we're doing the whole Visual Studio okay. launch, but um, yeah, it's business edition and up. But and again, the trial edition? does allow you to do that. So. And business edition is how much? Nine ninety nine. All right. Yeah. But, but so there's a trial then. There's a trial for 30 days, which gives you the business edition, which allows you to try out Visual Studio with and iOS can, and Android. And no questions asked. You could just, at the end of 30 days, I'm done. You're done, but you can't deploy stuff during right. that trial. Right. We live at that as well. But All right. It, it gives you enough to get going and get started and going, oh, you know, this, this is for me. This is what our company needs in terms of 
wow, we can build iOS and Android apps using so Visual Studio. Say, this is for serious developers. This isn't for people who want to make, you know, iFart. It's for oh. people who want to create iFart, and it's for serious developers. It's it's. Um, you can sell a lot of iFart, man. Yeah, I, I don't think so. <laughs> I, I might have been able to. Yeah, once. I think that you're right. I mean, you're right. It seems like the marketplace for small apps is drying up. Even ninety nine cents is too much these days. Yeah, but it's I. I still think it's a good place to to create those kind of um, you scratching an itch. I'm scratching my head at the same time as saying that. <laughs> uh, but I think it's one of those places where I think maybe the starter edition or the indie is is good for doing that. And then maybe you take it into your work and say, you know, I did this at the weekend. I created iFart, which connects via Bluetooth and can remote fart other other Man, phones. you're taking this idea way too far. <laughs> I thought about it a little bit. Is it, after I, admit. I don't know if people really need a distributed fart app, man. That's going a little far. <laughs> You'll be surprised, I think. Does <laughs> um, so I use D-fart technology? There you yeah. go. But yeah. I I, you can use iBeacons as well if you wanted to do that with iOS and all those sort of things. It's a personal fart network. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I see that people can, can go and do that and kind of, oh, I wanted to create an app um, that did something small, I've used the starter edition to maybe go into a company and say, over the weekend, I created this app and put it on the store. Mm -hmm. We should probably look into this as a, a, serious, um, a serious contender for actually building a, a mobile story from, for our company. And that's kind of where um, I kind of came from as well. I was doing ASP.NET and doing uh, ASP.NET MVC at my old job. Um, and then I, for fun, was playing around and I created a a Christmas app for our company, uh, kind of in my spare time, and said to them, hey, you know, we we don't do any mobile apps, but I know C Sharp, and this makes it really easy to develop apps for. Um, you know, why don't we do something at work? And then that led into actually getting a proposal for someone who wanted an iOS app. And I went through the whole thing of saying, you know, now I can have that experience. I can be a mobile developer in a company where I was really just a web developer before. So now, in your in let's say in your models, you you can use portable class libraries mm -hmm. that can work across all of these platforms. Is that true? That's that's correct. Yeah. So the portable class libraries actually only came out um, with the Visual Studio 2013 stuff. Um, there were some restrictions as well on some of the portable class libraries Microsoft released. You can allow them to work on non-Windows platforms. Right. Um, they actually removed their restrictions yesterday. Um, right. So they're just like you know, we made a we made a bad. We just want everyone to use these portable class libraries, hence right. them being portable. Sure, you can use them on any platform, not a restriction with Windows. So or what that like. means is that anything from anything behind the UI, yep, on, on the client can be written in one C sharp class that can go from iOS to Android to Windows Phone. Yeah, that's easy. correct. Yeah. yeah, and I like to say it's the one class library to rule them all. Yeah, it is, <laughs> it is that sort of. Um, you know, you do write once and then your code can run anywhere, but it's not UI specific. It's, I mean, the portable class libraries restrict you from that as well. And they do a good job of making it the smallest class libraries available to be able to share it against other things like iOS or Android or even Xbox or, or Windows Store and Windows Phone. When you are organizing your product, if you're going to do cross-platform development, which clearly mm -hmm. is one of the assets here, yep. portable class libraries and so forth, how do you organize your projects? Is it a project per device? Uh, you normally do it per platform, yeah. yeah. So you would have, um, I know in the example that we have going along this tour, um, you have your kind of my namespace dot portable, and that's where you have as much code as you can share that will definitely work across multiple platforms. 
Um, and then you have your, your app-specific project. So you would have a, an iOS project, you would have a, an Android project, and then you have a Windows Phone project. Right. And then there will basically be when you set that as a startup project, when you click start, it will run that either in the Windows Phone simulator or the Android or iOS. Mm -hmm. So it pick up based on the project type. Um, and then you might have um, some kind of uh, facade layers um, where you might have platform-specific functionality which won't fit in the portable class libraries. Right. Um, so you might have location stuff, which might be specific to a certain API that exists on a device, but you want that shared across the thing. So you might create an interface, which is iLocation services. Right. And then you would implement that in your individual projects that works for that platform. Right. So that's where it starts getting a little bit more code involved. But it reminds but, me of a data access layer, like same sort of yes. thing. If, if I'm building an app that has to run against Oracle and SQL Server, sure. I create that abstraction for exactly the same reason. And, that, and that's exactly kind of all, all it is. The only difference is, well, I mean, it's not really different. You have different APIs based on Oracle or, or SQL Server. It's right. like a provider and, yeah, model. Yeah, it's a different yeah. provider model. And that's, that's sort of what it is. Um, but then you also have, that's for then non-UI APIs. And then you also have the UI APIs, right. which... And they're platform-specific. And they're very platform-specific, and you wouldn't really try and share those. You would you would share ideas, I think, is normally the best way of doing it. That's so right. you know buttons are buttons, but buttons work differently on different platforms. Sure. Yeah. So you need to target those specifically. Well, and I don't think it's all that hard to make a common UI for iPhone and Android, because they're, they you know are pretty similar to each other. But I find win, good WinPhone apps mm -hmm. have a very different UI. Yeah, and, and I, I mean, going back to the Days Until Christmas app, I, I actually started on Windows Phone and I tried to copy the functionality from Windows Phone over, and it wasn't easy. Right. It, you know, um, if I did it again, maybe I'd do it differently. But um, Android and iOS always seem to be kind of similar-ish. There's always stuff that you need to do differently on iOS and Android, but it's more known about, I think. So with like the tab bars on iOS, you normally have them at the bottom, whereas Android always has them at the top. So if you change, if you don't change that, and you have the same UI across the platforms, Android users are angry. They're like, "No, you have the tab bars at the top, whereas they used to have them at the top. And if you have them on the bottom, it's like, no, this isn't iOS. This is Android." So um, you don't know of anybody who's working on a sort of abstraction of UI for all of these things that we can just make define one sort of UI paradigm, and then that would split up into the different. Not really. I mean, you can you can use something like uh, MVVM Cross, which is a framework which sure. allows you to yeah. you're sharing your view models, and that's kind of your views are always going to be separate. Right. Um, there's something um, like Reactive UI as well, mm -hmm. which is, uh, and again, you kind of bind your uh, view models to your um, your views, so that again gives you a little bit more flexibility. MVVM Cross works great with the with the new stuff in Visual Studio, does it? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, and again, taking advantage of the the PCL support as well that was added in with Xamarin. Um, so, um, MVVM Cross, by the way, is you can creep all the way up to the view model. So you're using the binding mechanism. You know, if you've done any Silverlight or XAML or or heck, even Angular or anything like that. The data binding with MVVM, you creep all the way up to the view model, and everything from the view model back is all shared. Yeah, and then you, and then your views are even part of MVVM cross. You do put the vi the binding in the views as well. Yeah. So even then, they start to be integrated with MVVM cross as wow. well. So that's really cool. Yeah, it's very nice. 
This episode of The Tablet Show is brought to you by Telerik Icinium, which enables you to develop, test, and publish iOS and Android apps from a single code base using only HTML5 and JavaScript. And the best part is Icinium lets you do all of this from within Visual Studio, including comprehensive backend as a service in the cloud, integrated support for Kendo UI as well as jQuery mobile, and integrated testing and deployment capabilities. That makes Icinium a robust end-to-end mobile app development platform for .NET developers. Telerik Icinium, with its Visual Studio extension, is available on a subscription basis and part of the Telerik DevCraft Ultimate Collection. Start a free 30-day trial of Icinium with support at icinium.com DNR. That's I-C-E-N-I-U-M dot com slash DNR. And don't forget to thank Telerik for supporting .NET Rocks and the Tablet Show. So let's say some hypothetical phone comes on the market and a brand new company from overseas or something, you know, let's call them, I don't know, Blueberry. I don't know. Okay. Who, yeah. yeah. Have no, and I'm not saying Blackberry. Not saying know. anything. Not saying anything. And let's say this phone completely overtakes everybody. iPhone, Android, like everybody's ditching their Windows phones, everything for these blueberries, mm-hmm. and it's a whole new OS. It's not based on Linux. It's not based on Java. It's not based on Chrome. It's a ground-up OS. Everybody loves it. How how prepared are you guys to sort of embrace that new OS? It's a good question, and I'm probably not the best person to ask, but um, I can give my opinion anyway. Yeah, sure. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of unknowns there, as it would be of course, a hypothetical yeah. question. Um, Something that I did notice actually yesterday with the PS4 being released tonight mm-hmm. at midnight. Right. I am going to be sad and queue up for one. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a good machine, man. It's, it's a good machine. Xbox One, again. My good Xbox One's well. on order. Yeah. I, well, I didn't know which country I was going to be in, so I haven't ordered any. So I'm going to go to <laughs> both of the launches. Uh, regardless, um, they when you release a, a console, you but what licenses, open source licenses you're using. Right. And there's actually three that are mono-based. So they use mono VM, mono class libraries, and they use SQLite CS, which mm. is a SQLite wrapper uh, in C Sharp. Right. So even though PlayStation 4, it's a new new chip, it's new kind of architecture and all those things, they're already using mono in, in the console to be able to develop games and, and whatever they're doing there. Wow. So um, I think it's just one of those things where where it can fit, it will fit. And companies, I mean, because Mono is based on, on C++ or C, not as actually saw, it's, sure. it's, it's very low level where it can mostly run on most places and where it makes sense, you know, we'll probably try and get on that platform, um, especially if it's a, a mobile platform. Because you guys have the bits all the way down to Correct. that. Yeah. Yeah. You, did you do work on Mono back in the day? I did not, no. no. Mono game, though, weren't you? No, uh, no, no. You no. said, no, who I am. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I uh, as I said, I came from doing kind of a web background, and um, I went to Mix 08, I think it was, in, in Vegas, mm-hmm. and there's Miguel sat next to me, and he was like, ah, oh, you know, he didn't know who I was, never spoken to him before. He's like, oh, you, sh- you know, you're doing web development, you do ASP.NET. Why don't you get it running on Linux and and using uh, using ASP.NET there? And I was like, No, I'm okay, thanks. <laughs> and then and then the next year, I went back Mix09, and during that time, that was when I first got introduced to Monotouch as it was then, Xamarin.iOS, and we had actually built an app for the conference, and everyone had iPhones there. Android wasn't really about. 
This is when Windows Phone got announced, I think. I'd right. Eight or nine. Yeah. Um, and um, and so like next time I see him, he's like, "Oh, Chris, nice to see you." And it's like he doesn't remember that conversation <laughs> back in back last year when he was trying to get me to use Mono on on you know desktop and on servers. Right. Yeah. It, it's really the mobile thing that kind of got me into it and. And that was really my first usage of using Mono. And I used Monorail back in the day, but that's a completely separate thing. I know sure. probably people use Did you know who he was Monorail. when he sat down beside you that first time? Did I know who he was? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, sort of. I knew I knew of his uh, PDC like... days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A, a little bit like that. And apparently a lot of the Mono guys were there, but yeah. I just didn't know them at all. Um, but it was up until the next year when I was like, oh, I know these guys. You know, I speak to them online and things like that. So... That was interesting to kind of go, actually, I'm using your tool now, and it's really great, but never touch the mono side. So you're out in the community talking to developers about, uh, you know, about this new, the new stuff with Xamarin and yep. Visual Studio. Am my assumptions right? Do you find a lot of people coming back to C Sharp who sort of haven't done it in a while? Um, not, not really, I don't think. We normally see people who are kind of, they've heard about mono back in the day, and, and they still use C Sharp. Uh, day to day, but they just haven't really looked into the mobile stuff yet. Really? So you think yeah. there's a lot of developers who just haven't made the jump to mobile because it's been too difficult to learn Objective C, or um, I think that might be part of it. I also think time as well. Yeah. Um, if you if you're not focused as your job as doing mobile development, it's hard to um, get started. I think Xamarin made that a lot easier. Sure. But it's still it's you know it's it's exactly the same with Windows Phone. It's like have you developed a Windows phone? It's like, oh, no, I haven't had any time to. I, yeah. you know, I do web stuff and I do WPF. I just haven't had any time. Right. So I think Xamarin, if you're going to spend any time doing it, I think that's the best place to start. Um, and then at least you can go iOS, Android, Windows Phone, Windows Store, um, and kind of hit those markets. Whereas if you did Objective-C, you might get really good at Objective-C, but then you're kind of screwed when it comes to Android stuff. It's, you have to learn Java and you have to start all that over again. Right. You still need to learn the native APIs underneath the hood. Um, but for the most part, it's familiar, and you're always using C Sharp, and you don't have to learn any Java or Objective-C. I, I mean, language is language, but I think it's more of the uh, the style of coding, what you actually need to do, how, how an iPhone thinks versus how an Android device thinks or how a wind phone thinks. Yep. Uh, can we insulate people from that when we're all living in C Sharp? Um, I think the MVVM cross-framework sort of gets there a little right. bit, so it's like, I just want to create a list of, of items, and this is the easiest way of doing it because it kind of you data bind your list. Mm -hmm. um, something that um, I know that Joseph Hill has been talking about recently, been doing kind of hybrid apps. So people aren't ready to jump in, and, and um, doing UI is normally the complication here, right? Um, sure. So what you can do is you can also go the hybrid approach and say, well, I want a native list because list data can get quite heavy. Even if you're doing it JavaScript and you're doing all the right things to clean stuff up, you can tell when a list isn't a real list. Um, so basically, when you press on the button, you want to show the detail. And that's where people go, ah, OK, this is starting to get into UI. How do I do the UI? Right. So what you can do instead is you just load up a web view, and then you render HTML. Um, and an unknown feature that people don't really know within Xamarin Studio is that actually you can create a Razor template, and then you can pass in a model, and you can render HTML with this Razor template and display in a web view. Huh. And then you can style everything with JavaScript, CSS, all that stuff in your real native mobile app. And you could use a mixture of the two. Now, 
feel like we're in phone gap land all right. of a sudden. Yeah, I mean, you can use phone gap if you wanted to. You can put right. phone gap in there, but it's it's an option that people might want to choose um, where if you're prototyping, you don't want to spend all your time building a native UI for iOS and you've got to do it again for Android. You could use the same one. Well, on in that both. case, why wouldn't you just use phone gap? Because you might want to also integrate with a lot of native features. Like you might want to have the, the native lists or you I might see. want to add in a native functionality. You might want to talk to Azure mobile services. You can have the component in with the Xamarin tools. Um, whereas if you did that with PhoneGap, you would have to find out how you connect to yeah. Azure mobile services. And yeah. um, there's always, always you can pull because back you're to at the, the native. Because you're at the native level, you have a lot more choices. Correct. Well, yeah. And if you also went with PhoneGap, that's kind of where you're ended. If you do want to go to the native approach, there's a lot of things that you have to redo to rejig to right. get it into a native app, whereas you can just replace the web view for a native UI, and then it's job done. It sounds like you, MVVM cross comes up uh, quite a bit. Do you mm -hmm. sort of recommend that as a, a, a way for people to get started? Or, um, or is I it think too complex for mere mortals? For the, for the sort of stuff I do where I'm, you know, I'm, I'm scratching itches, it's too much, I think, for um, for me to kind of go. I, you know, I just want a list of data. Or I just want to yeah. go off to the web and get this information. I don't need all the data binding stuff, and right. um, it offers a lot. And especially if you if you're working with teams, I think it's a good way of doing it because you can separate things a little bit better. Mm. Um, for me, I normally have one class and do everything in there and do it horribly. And, and it's sure. just for you, and it's just for me. It. Yeah, but I think if you're working with a team. It's probably a better way of, of doing things. You know, we're walking towards here, which I think is a fairly important point, is what apps are we building? Right. What phone apps need to be built? I, I'm clearly, we're not talking about making the next Angry Birds, are we? Uh, you can do. I mean, there's Monogame, which, again, yeah. allows you to, um, to build games. You have games such as Bastion, which is a game that came from Xbox Live Arcade, and yep. you put it on on iPhone, and they spent, a, I mean, it was easy to port because it was all X and A and C sharp. But I guess the question here is, is the audience right now, the folks that, that care about this, mm -hmm. the folks that are trying to uh, make a winning app in the app store? I think there may be some that are, but I think that's probably the wrong approach. Right. Um, you want to be creating stuff that's useful, and yeah. if it gets popular, it gets popular. It's always hard to tell with, with that stuff. I think. There's a lot of advantage of being seen in the App Store. Yes. Just creating an app and going, you can download it on the App Store is really good marketing where well, people can go, yeah. I can download it. And, and I think, you know, a lot of companies are building apps for their brand, you know, mm -hmm. apps for their customers, which, you know, they would link to on their website, like we do, right? We have yeah. .NET Rocks app. It's linked to when you go to our website with a mobile browser, yep. you can download it, install it there. It takes you to the App Store. Yeah, and yep. I think it's important to walk through these different models. I mean, one right. of them is... I'm trying to make a successful app on the store for consumers to, to buy. But this B2C model yeah. that mm -hmm. I am a business I'm a bi and, I, and I'm a business developer and I want to add mobile capabilities right. to, for our customers, this B2C model, I think that actually is, sounds like a bigger opportunity. It's a days. huge opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so that's an easy way of getting, uh, an easier way of at least getting into those stores and those markets yeah. and being visible there. Right. Um, but then you also have people who just create internal apps as well. I mean, Really, because of the way that Xamarin is, it's it's so unrestrictive in terms of what you can do. You can build anything from games to um, internal apps that you want your customers to use to purely business apps or line of business apps or even commercial apps. You can. Um, I just haven't seen a lot of line of business apps on a phone. I think that's mainly because people don't share that 
thing, maybe. Right. It's, um, it's internal. Yeah, right. So, I mean, I see a lot of people building internal apps because I'm part of Xamarin, so I, I see that information. What I, but... see, what I see for mobile apps from business to consumer or even business to business is being able to just get in, get, get quick snapshots and updates, reports, you know, for people in the field, mm -hmm. and then be able to do, like, you know, the top 10 most popular things that our apps do, right? Yep. To be able to do them quickly, you know, with one button press or, you know, do a quick look up or something like that. Just the one thumb kind of operations. But, you know, to stuff everything into a mobile app, I don't think is very smart. No, and that's where it starts getting to be the tablets are your screen yeah. and then your phone is where you maybe enter in small data or, right. or it's a glancing thing. You look up information on there rather than I'm, I've got my business app on my phone. I don't think people are going to yeah. go that route. They're going to go tablet's probably a good way of viewing data and yeah. maybe some entry, but even then it's kind of a bit hairy. Sure. Um, maybe the surface is a nice segue between the two. We can, mm -hmm. you can kind of do a data entry on the surface and it's light and it's portable, but it's more, business apps on, on maybe on the Windows Store or, uh, you know, the Windows Store if it doesn't go on the store. Mm -hmm. um, but then you, you also have your companion mobile app that you want to maybe integrate with data that you do get. Um, and I think that is another opportunity where maybe you don't want to think about your app as being, how do I get this on all the platforms? It's how can I take advantage of the iOS device or the Android device in the pocket and also integrate that with a tablet device? Yeah. Um, Something that uh, RDO, so RDO use uh, Xamarin to build their music streaming service. RDIO. RDIO, yeah. yeah. Um, and what they do is basically when you play something on the iPad, it tells their service and that then distributes it off to the rest of any app that you have open, right. including on, on the browser and, in their, um, and on their desktop app. Mm. It says you're playing somewhere else. Right you can control it from that other thing. So if right. I'm having it playing on my iPad, I can control it with an Android device or even on a Windows it's phone, a great I can control model. it. And then also it says tap to play here. So if you switch to a different thing, so I normally come in from lunch, I'll be listening to it on my headphones, and then I go onto my, onto my desktop, and it says tap here to continue playing, and it continues playing the music. Or it's if we could take really this nice. model to a ridiculous point, we have a uh, tablet on the wall in every room with a jam box, and as I walk through each room, it switches. Yeah. And notices I'm there, and it plays in that room. And I go to the next room, and that one starts yeah. playing. Yeah, and this is what kind of where mobile devices are going with, um, I mean, iBeacons is what Apple call it, or you have Bluetooth beacons, and then it can respond to things. So yeah. um, I think that would be good for conferences. I'd like to see that in the future where... You enter a conference room and it says you're in this conference, like check yeah. in or whatever. And yeah. um, and I think that will help with especially getting feedback if you're a, a yeah. speaker as well. I think there's always there's always been that kind of um, oh we would like to have you to fill in this form, which normally is pretty good because you get the feedback written down straight yeah. away. People are like, why don't you do it on your mobile? But it's you know you have to enter in like the conference code of where you're, what room you're in. It's like people don't want to do that. No, it should know where you are and it should do know that what all session you. you're you're looking at. Yeah, exactly. So, so that's where you want to you want to take full advantage of having the device and being mobile and and use that. Well, yeah, they think. It, but I also really like this idea that a mobile device doesn't live in a vacuum; that it lives Correct. with a bunch of other devices. Yep. And so, there, any piece of software writing for mobile's got to be in relation to something. You, to your desktop machine or your laptop machine or the household machine. Like all those things are important. That's correct. We have a question from the audience. Um, hey, Chris. Hello. 
Could you tell us the difference between what is Xamarin can do versus Titanium Mobile? Um, so Titanium have a API which they curate. So mm -hmm. what they can do is they do have a list that will work across iOS and Android. Mm -hmm. um, but then if you want to go and dig deep into what all the APIs allow you to do, you're restricted then. Um, so you can't pick up on like portal refresh. They, you have to wait for them to add that in. Mm -hmm. Whereas the way that Xamarin works, you get it, you get direct access to the API. So you're not restricted. So um, that's one of the difference. Again, it's, it's, I think it's JavaScript compiled. Yeah. So it's slightly different from the way that um, Mono works underneath the hood in Xamarin. And that's compiled down to, to bytecode as well. And it, and it performs slightly differently. Um, I haven't really done any tests on speed. Um, so probably not the best thing. But um, Titanium does do a really good job of, of sharing UI code, mm -hmm. um, whereas Xamarin um, is very much focused on having that platform-specific UI. Mm -hmm. um, so they're the main kind of differences from what I can tell. Does that help? Yeah. Okay. Got another question here. Hey, Chris. Uh, Hello. Uh, I saw uh, that you can use Xamarin to do cross-platform stuff for iOS, Android. Uh, is it also possible to do it for a Mac? That's correct. Yeah. So you can you can use uh, C sharp on the Mac as well. Uh, so there's a product called Xamarin.Mac. So uh, normally we generally talk about kind of mobile stuff. Um, that's kind of where we're, we're focused on. But we do have Xamarin.Mac. Um, so if you have again your C sharp uh, code that you want to reuse across the platform, you can do that. Everything is in C sharp. I built a a very simple um, alcoholic by volume calculator. So I do homebrew stuff. Um, so basically, it's very simple. You type in the number. It does the calculation for me and says your your alcohol, your beer is this percentage. Um, and then you can integrate in with the APIs that uh, the Mac offers. So you have share. So you can share it to Twitter directly from your app, again, using a C-sharp API. I have a similar app that tells me what how much of an alcoholic I am that night. You know, nice. How many drinks I have. A breathalyzer. Yeah. Another question. Hey, Chris. Hello. Um, I just wanted if you could comment about the, the size of the footprint of the application that's built in Xamarin versus, say, in PhoneGap versus natively. Sure. I, I can't talk about PhoneGap because I'm not sure what the footprint is there. Um, but in, compared to native, there is always going to be a footprint. Um, what Xamarin does is it, it compiles the app down to the smallest size it can. Obviously, it needs to still run the mono uh, runtime underneath the hood. Um, so you can get an app, probably the smallest size is around 2.8 megabytes, last time I checked. So Hello um, World? So Hello World compiled for release is going to be minimum 2.8. Right. And you're not going to get any smaller than that. And if native, you, it'll be dramatically smaller. Native, you can have 18K, right. et cetera. But when um, you get up to a 5 meg app in, in native, is going to be, is it really going to be 7.8? It's going to be 7. Yeah, it, okay. it depends on what you use. Um, it also depends if you use any libraries. Um, since the using the Xamarin tools, like having a, a whole set of libraries, it's like adding in a library, a static library that you would get from somewhere else. So um, you see libraries range from anything from 5 to 10 to 30 megabytes um, anyway. So native apps would have those in them, and then they would be big apps. Right, Again, you get you all also, that .NET framework goodness in there. Yeah, exactly. And you can also have HD images, which are way bigger than, than the... Um, than the runtime itself. Yeah, one retina image will blow out that volume. Right, exactly. And you've got to make sure it, you know, retina on all the platforms, and you have to have them all included, and even if you don't use them as well. Yeah. Um, but it, it, so that's the minimum size you're going to get. Um, 
if you run a debug version, it might be 30 or 40 megs of Hello World. And that's because we have a tool called the linker and that actually strips out the code you're not using. So the .NET runtime has system.xml. So if you're not using any XML in your app, when you run the linker, it removes that from the framework. So you mm. kind of create your own mono framework at release time. Um, so there's some kind of special stuff that it does there to reduce the size. Um, but really 2.8 and maybe 2.6 is the minimum size you're ever going to get. Any other questions? Yeah. Since there's this mono layer in between the app and the OS, what's the performance difference between Xamarin app and a native app? There's no uh, perceived uh, performance. There's always going to be a hit in terms of performance, but it's nothing that ever anyone notices. Um, for example, as I mentioned earlier, Bastion, um, and there's, a, there's an app called Infinite Flight, and that's a flight simulator on the iPad that runs great. Um, so in terms of performance, it, it does go through this monolayer, but it's nothing that your users will ever notice, and it's nothing that will ever um, detriment your app to a point where you'd be like, oh, you know, this is really, really killing us. So you guys have done tests with a, the same code base, basically startup time is the same? Um, I don't know if the engineering teams have. Um, they may have, but uh, for, for at least Android, I know people have done some tests and they find that actually running the mono runtime is faster than the Davic runtime that wow. all Java apps run. Um, again, it depends on what test you do, and there's always kind of right. Yeah, there was a there was a campaign about that a while ago. It's like yeah, it actually runs faster in mono. But yep. if it's running mono, isn't that a, a managed memory model? Don't you do garbage collection? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, so there's always ways that you can improve um, garbage collection by you know disposing of things right. uh, before but the there is comes potential around. risk, say in something like a flight simulator, if you run it long enough, that it's going to have a garbage collection hit. Um, not necessarily. It's just, it, it handles it well, right. um, and because it's handling it for you, generally you can at least just let it do its thing, but also help it help it do its job. Right. So as long as you're doing that correctly, you shouldn't have any problems. So UI thread should keep running. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Right. Yeah, it's a different thread than the, uh, the the garbage collector thread. Yep. One more question. Oh, two more questions. I was just curious about the pricing a little bit more. If mm -hmm. you wanted to do uh, Mac and iOS and Android development, is that, and you wanted it integrated with Visual Studio, is that at least nine ninety nine times three? Um, I believe there may be some sort of discount if you purchase more than just one. Um, best people to ask would be the uh, sales team. I'm, you know, I'm a developer. Um, Thanks. But I think there is some sort of discount if you order two or three. Um, so you should speak to those guys. You can email them at sales at xamarin.com as well, and they can answer your questions. But essentially, yes. Um, but you don't have to buy them all at once. You can buy one down the line. If you go, now we need to target Mac, I'm going to buy the Mac version and so on. One last question. We're hearing a lot at this conference about how Xamarin integrates with Visual Studio 2013. And yes. I'm wondering uh, what the difference is with integrating with 2010, and if you could speak to the difference there. It's a very good question. I believe we have support for VS 2010, 12, and 13 um, in terms of basically the same. Um, I don't think there's any differences between the integrations. It's just VS 2013 is, is the, new, the new hotness, so we're talking about that a lot more. Also, we have a SimShip partnership with uh, Visual Studio, so it means that we ship at the same time 
as uh, Visual Studio ships, so we're making noises about that, but we have support for VS 2010 and, and 12 as well. At least I know we do for Android, and I believe that's the same for iOS as well. And with that, we're going to have to say goodbye. Let's uh, give a big round of applause for Chris Hardy. Thank you. And we'll see you next time on The Tablet Show. It's not too much money.